welcome to Proudly Resents, the show about movies so good because they are so bad. This episode, we celebrate the Robin Williams classic, Old Dogs. And now, please lower your standards for Proudly Resents. Uh, this is Adam speaking with Adam Falber and here at Evil Usher. As of right now, the show is called Evil Usher. I love that. I think I think it's going to stick. It's My prediction stick. is you'll be hearing this under the name Evil Usher a hundred times. I have made mistakes. I can't. I, like, to people, I can't get a tattoo because I can't commit to anything. So the title is a big thing. Yeah. So uh, Evil Usher for the moment. Yeah. Speaking of titles, a tattoo gonna... is a lot more extreme than a, the name of a podcast. <laughs> I know, but it's still both <laughs> permanent. No. Like, what were you thinking? There's some really badly named. I would say there's a 50 percent chance that we're talking about all this evil usher stuff, and that won't be the name that people have clicked on to hear this. No, there might be something totally different, yeah. a different introduction, uh, or and it will be cut. about cooking. Welcome to the cooking show, Evil Sous Chef. Uh, it took a while to think of that reference. Evil Saucier. Saucier. Yeah. Ramekin. Why don't we just call it Ramekin? Ramekin. Yeah. Okay. All right. You know what a Ramekin is? A, no, I don't. You were not. Were you a waiter? No. It's a totally I was a busboy. Then you've worked with ramekins. Those are the little things that hold the sauce. Those tiny little bowls that would hold like ketchup on the side. or Oh, those are ramekins. Those are called ramekins. Oh. Ramekin Skywalker, of course. Uh-huh. All right. Anyway, today we're talking about um, a movie called Old Dogs with John Travolta and Robin Williams. And I'm here with Adam Felber and myself, Adam Spiegelman, talking about old dogs and movies that are bad in a way that they're really good. So Very enjoyably bad movies. Yeah, so we're not shitting on this film. We love this movie. No, I would rather somebody... Yeah, if you want to hear somebody shitting on this movie, just read any review ever written. <laughs> <laughs> we're also saying it's bad, but we're saying you have to yeah, see it's it. It's really, really, really entertaining. Yeah, it's really entertaining. Um, this movie came out a couple years ago, 2008, I think. It was pushed back a full year. Part of the reason... It was actually um, some background on the film. It was rated R, and then the test screenings were so bad that they had to make it. They recut it to make it rate PG, and they cut about twenty-two minutes out of the movie. It was rated R. Yeah, originally it was an adult comedy. It's a movie, I know, but now it's such a kid comedy. It's that such it's, a kid comedy. It runs about eighty-eight minutes. An average film film was supposed to be one hundred nine, uh, supposed to be ninety minutes rather. This couldn't even make it. They couldn't, they couldn't even, even squeak over the, <laughs> the end. They had you know, 107 it, minutes to work with, and they couldn't do it. It is clear that some stuff was cut, because like they, they go to this... Uh, John Travolta and Robin Williams are raising these kids. Well, I guess we'll get to the summary in just yeah, a minute. Um, but they go to this kid's camp, I guess a scout camp, at one point, and there are... It, it's all over very quickly, and there are a lot of references later to what went on at that scout camp, and, and you never saw it. Like, they burned it down or something? You never see every that. Every scene in this movie, have, they have a lot of really big stars. So this has Matt Dillon and, and, and um, Justin Long from the Matt commercials. Yes, the so, scout camp uh, so that, vignette. That, was not a che- that whole thing was not cheap, but it was no, like they, a two-minute vignette. But it, it felt like it was probably like half the movie originally, in my, in my estimation. Yeah, the, the, movie, big, the big gag about this, the scout camp, so that, so that people know, is that Matt Dillon ends up thinking that Robin Williams and John Travolta are not best friends, but gay parents. But the problem with that premise is they do nothing to hide it. He says, are your parents gay, basically? And they cut to them and they go, oh, yeah, we've been together for 30 years. And they joke about how they're gay. So, of course, he would think they were gay if you'd say, yes, we are gay. They were, yeah, they were making kind of <laughs> – yeah, yeah, we're like an old couple. <laughs> yeah. Right, they actually yeah. say it. So the movie's about uh, Robin Williams and John Travolta are two of the best sports promoters or some kind of sports and promotion 
in uh, the world. They're, they're, they're sport, they run a sports marketing firm. And before we go any deeper into this, I want to say that like one of the one of our favorite little details about a, a, you know in any sufficiently bad movie is that there's a magazine clip, a magazine article, or a right. video clip about them that um, shows you how great they are. That shows you how great they are, and, and and shows that they're successful, and also lets you off the hook from ever having to really think about what their job is for the rest of the movie. Right. And we call those moments new architects moments because apparently in some movie it's like a Time magazine cover with, with a couple of your heroes and it says the new architects <laughs> from, the, from the film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, so uh, they feature our heroes today. Yeah, and uh, I have I actually have on my iPhone. So we're gonna you can edit this so you don't have to wait for me to get it. But I took a picture of the screen. We'll put those. Up. We're gonna try to and you'll see, look at your phone or your computer right now. Put the pictures up in that little box. It should come up and change um, as we talk about them. Yeah, early on, it, there's a there's a magazine article, really bad photoshopping with John Travolta playing golf, and it says "Sports Marketing Kings Rayburn and Reed." It's the name of the. But I'm looking at it, it's a and it's, it there's a whole Photoshop, there's a whole montage of magazine articles, and they're photoshopped all over the place. Yeah, terrible job, big movie, major major production, terrible photoshopping. Mm-hmm. Who is he in that picture with? When they 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 have uh, John Travolta golfing with someone in this magazine. And to show that he is a sports, excuse me, a sports, Bob, show that he is a sports magnet. They put in a huge personality, and they put Broadway Joe. Yeah, it's it's Joe Namath. But and it's and and if you if you look at the picture, and I do want everybody to go to the website and look at the picture, it's an oddly squashed Joe Namath too. Yeah, they, they, if, they, if somebody dro- if somebody dropped a brick on Joe Namath, his head would look that. But he's shape. also photoshopped. Like they didn't have to photoshop the other guy. No, they could have got a picture of Joe Namath golfing with someone. You would think. Yeah. Uh, yes. They could, no. They no. Could this is them. this is Joe Namath in, in a planet with gravity much much more intense than the one that we're on. It's a really it's there's actually a lot of good uh, pictures moments from that movie. Um, there's a website called uh, Tumblr site called facesofolddogs.tumblr.com, and it's just five or six pages of just mugging and bad shots of characters from the uh, different actors from the movie. Let's get back to the summary. The, there's let's so much see if we can on. do a summary. Okay, so so I I can probably do this pretty Go bare on. bones. Robin Williams and uh, John Travolta run a sports marketing firm, and um, neither one has a stable relationship in their life. Right. Robin Williams had, was married years ago, but it didn't work out, and he had a, also had a marriage that was for like 20 minutes, which we'll hear about uh, in a minute, and John Travolta's a playboy, right? Mm-hmm. He's a swinging bachelor. Even though we never see him hook up once. No, no, he doesn't hook up, but, but that's, the, that's the gist. In any case, yes. early on in the movie... Um, uh, Robin Williams receives a visit from Kelly Preston, the woman that he married for like 20 minutes. And it turns out that like seven years earlier when they were married for like 20 minutes, she had two kids, uh, twins, that were his kids. She never told him them, him about them. Now she's visiting him to let him know that like these are your kids. Oh, and also I have to go spend time in jail, so you're going to have to raise these kids right. for a little while. I wanted to talk about the age for a second, but then you said the jail thing. <laughs> she doesn't go to China. She doesn't have to go to the Arctic. She no. goes to jail. Yeah, she was like an activist. Like, she tied herself to a tree or something and has to go to jail. That's a good scene of the movie. Like, yeah. ro- somehow, how do we get these kids into Robin Williams' hands? Right. Well, the mother has to give them up. And in some movies, the mother would die, and mm-hmm. he'd get stuck with a kid at the doorstep. You know, like, baby boom, she's stuck with a baby. So his future wife, the woman he's in love with, is going to jail. And, of course, they make her an activist. Mm-hmm. But then the scenes from jail, it's like the nicest jail you've ever seen in your life. Like, mm-hmm. And she calls throughout the movie. We're skipping around, but she calls throughout the movie to check in on Robin Williams and the kids from jail, and it looks so pleasant. 
No one's getting shanked. No yeah, one's there's no shanking. The head with a tray. Well, you no saw that. There's that no shanking around. sign that's just like right in front of us. So <laughs> they're just very obedient. And the it, it, ain't, it ain't exactly cell block H. No, it's not. And she calls up just to keep the conceit of the movie going. How is it going with the kids? How are you doing as a dad? Not once did someone say, "Hey, how's jail?" Yeah. You know, no one no. says, are you doing all right? Are you eating? Are you working out? Yeah, this is an opportunity for the woman to call from jail and make sure that the guy that she's basically only spent 20 minutes with in her entire life right. um, is taking good care of the two kids she dumped on. Not him. even that. Like, <laughs> not even like, how are my kids? How are you taking care of my It's how are you dealing with the kids? Yeah. She's calling to see how Robin Williams is. Well, it's, it's one of those movies where, you know, people are, you know— it's one of those star-driven movies. Right. Everybody's interested in what, how Robin Williams and John no Travolta are doing because they're Robin Williams and John Travolta. So, but it could be a totally different movie. It could be a movie about two kids that get dumped with a rich playboy dad they didn't know they had. And yeah. it could be from the kid's point of view. Or it could be from Kelly Preston's point of view. But it's, yeah, it's from his point of view. So 20 minutes in the movie, he is dumped with these kids because she's going to jail. So here's the math thing I figured out. They hooked up seven years ago, uh-huh. had sex one night, and now she has two kids that are seven years old. Yeah. Oh. She is playing him. She's playing she, him. She's playing. She was pregnant when she met him. She had to have been. Yes. Those kids can't. And those kids are definitely seven. They're, those are not six or No, ones. those are big kids. Yeah, those are big kids. In the sequel. Oh, we should point out. Uh, this is this is really worth pointing out. And if you do get the DVD, you got to watch the music oh, video watch. that goes with yeah. it. Um, the girl, they're, they're, they're fraternal twins. The gr- little girl is played by John Travolta's daughter. Does a great daughter. Job. Both and kids are good. Both kids are fine. Yeah. But the video, they do, uh, John Travolta sings a song from the movie that's not in the movie, it's just in the video. Mm-hmm. And he does the video with his daughter. Yeah, it's Every Little Step You Take. That song from the 90s. Every Little Step I Take. And it's, the video is very creepy and weird. It's, 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 it's a little creepy. There's a lot of creepy things in the movie. So the movie is hodgepodge. And so basically, it's like how do these two swinging bachelors in their late 50s deal with two kids that are, we just figured out aren't really theirs? Um, so there's, but. They're different segments. It's almost like webisodes. It's almost like we're watching seven or eight different webisodes. Yeah. I think if, once the movie failed as a rated R movie, they should have cut it up into the most expensive web series ever. Because I think I would watch like... You might have been entertained by it. Yeah, 10 minutes of like, or 20 minutes of the camping scene or 20... Because they get these kids and... Well, there is an overarching plot, which is that this sports marketing firm is on the verge of the biggest deal of their career... Because uh, John Tra- they, there's this Japanese firm that might partner with them, and it's all about John Travolta and uh, Robin Williams and their little little silent partner Seth Green closing the deal with these Japanese people while trying to deal with the wacky complication that there are now kids in the picture. And closing the deal means going to dinner, acting okay, and playing golf and making sure the golf game yeah. goes all right. Otherwise, they're ready to give them forty-seven million dollars based on, and they keep saying forty-seven million dollars. Yeah, but. Ten times. Um, let's talk about the camping scene. And you brought up uh, Matt. Uh, Matt Dillon plays like. So for some reason, the kids are the, in his house for five minutes. And like, we have to go camping. We're scouts. Just out of the blue. Yeah. So they go on this camping trip. and they're Which all makes you wonder, homes. where were these kids actually living all this time? In, in the same city as Robin Williams? Just down the street? He didn't know. Yeah. Just down the street. Yeah, but I think they were in Florida, but somehow now there's a camping trip down the street. Mm-hmm. So they, and they, a lot of times it's voiceover at the back of Robin Williams' head saying, I can't believe we're going camping. You know, right. they have to hodgepodge this movie. Together. Clearly, we've just hacked and slashed this movie out to pieces, and we need to <laughs> I mean, set so, in a little bit of narrative. Yeah. So Matt Dillon's character is named Master Barry, which I just wanted to point out. 
Oh, which is fantastic. Did not catch that while I was watching. And so when we watched it, you see in the middle of this campground, there's this huge like shrine with a guy in it, with a, and it's Ma- um, Master Barry's uh, grandfather who started the camp, and there's wood all around it, just set up to go on fire. Just wacky shenanigans, right? right. So, of course, it, it gets set on fire, but we don't see it happen till later. If you want to explain what, what I, I you know, I don't know what I don't know what happened. They're camping. It's it's really funny that Matt Dillon thinks Robin Williams is John Travolta's gay partner. It's hilarious. hilarious. Uh, they accidentally do something around the campfire. Oh, they put they you know they they put um, eye black on their cheeks, and it turns out to be bear scat. So that's a, like a really early poo joke. And that's one of them. But they keep the bear scat on their face. Right, because they're all dogs. They're determined. And they're going to show these youngsters what it's all about. So here's a clip uh, with the bear scat. It's going to come up in a second. Loner. <laughs> Let's do the gay part. He has, he, check to see if they're gay. They're working. Hey, Zach, Emily. Why don't you get your grandpa to leave the office and come over here and join us in the woods? He's not our grandpa. He's our dad. Sure, Zach. My grandpa was like a dad to me, too. He is true, Master Barry. He's my dad. And dad's his partner. His partner. Just found out. Trust me, it was a surprise. <laughs> Been together 30 years. Feels like 50. <laughs> oh, well. Oh. We're soulmates. Right? Oh, you know. Oh, you can, yeah. You must have a best buddy. Yeah. A pal. Someone you could. All right. Take care. So, loner. Loner. Loser. So they just tell him he's gay. So, uh. Thank you, too, Master Barry. Thanks. No trouble at all, kids. You ladies ready to play a little ultimate frisbee? I think so, Mr. Testosterone. Oh, I do want to talk about the ultimate frisbee. Yes. Because what are the... They play ultimate frisbee, and they get a little bit beat up, and then somebody screams something like... Prison rules. Prison rules. Somebody screams prison rules. Everybody instantly knows what that is. And And they're okay with it. And they're okay with it, and it becomes this brutal rugby-like ultimate frisbee game point out about prison rules the guy yells prison rules and people mothers and fathers and, ba- and kids are just beating the fuck out of each yeah, other yeah they just plain beat the shit out of each other that prison rules that game at camp is worse than the actual prison that kelly preston's in oh way worse <laughs> that's a really good point <laughs> but like, like if i'm, play, if I'm playing ultimate frisbee uh you know and somebody yells prison rules right. and then starts like hammering the fuck out of me with a folding chair <laughs> that's when i say I'd rather just play regular rules, Ultimate Frisbee. It's okay. He did yell prison rules. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Oh, all right, that's true. All right, so I think I queued it up to the scat part. Hold on. Right oh, okay. Yeah, it is. Dad. They just yeah. found out. I think scat is poop. Really, son? Yeah. So they've got scat on their like faces. Poop on my face? Yeah. That happens, man. <laughs> that's what I wanted. So they, they go out and they play and they keep the scat on their face. Yes. So they're walking out there with poop on the, right under their nose. Yes. They put it like the football players. They put the black on their nose. Eye black, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is that what you guys call it, eye black? That's what we, yeah, well, what we athletes call it. Wow. Yeah. So that's one. So, and then they get kicked out. The next thing you know, they're back in New York. Right, and you don't really know what happened at the campgrounds. And then there are references to how they burned the place down. And then they show the scene. So they must have shot 
It could have been the whole movie could have taken place at the camp. Yeah, they, we they don't know. Yeah. Um, so we'll talk about some other good. There's a lot of great uh, cameos in this, and we'll talk about your favorite cameo. Yeah, there's a cameo for the um, they childproof John Travolta's apartment, which for convoluted reasons the kids are staying at. The kids are um, seven, and they're childproof. And they're childproofing. And the two childproofers are who's the other one? Well, Louis Guzman. Louis Guzman. Louis Guzman playing a a a guy smaller than Louis Guzman, isn't he? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> like a little Guzman? Yeah, I think he's playing a little Guzman. <laughs> is, is he? You mean he's lighter or he's just tiny? No, tiny. They shrink him? I think they shrunk him. They, for this movie, they shrunk him. Because uh, Louis Dak Guzman Shepard, isn't a little person, is he? No, but they shot him for about a mile away, to yeah. be fair. Okay. They used a different lens. Yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> and, 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 and his partner, Dax Shepard. And I do want to say that like in bad movie after bad movie, Dax Shepard continues to be funny. And even in good movies, and uh, what was the one about the future? Uh, Idiocracy. Oh, he's great in Idiocracy. Yeah. But there's like that, that horrific Dane Cook movie, Employee oh, uh, of the Month. Employee of the Month. And that's, that's that absurd Dane Cook movie that takes place in, a, in a, like a Walmart, but there's a secret society, you know. In Costco. Costco, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And of course. And there's you, a secret world behind the shelves in it, and it's really dumb. And Dak Shepard is hilarious in that, too. He does a great job. So here he is, um, real quick, when you meet Dak Shepard as he's baby-proofing um, John Travolta's bachelor pad. I'm going to say why he's there. Because Robin Williams lives in a condominium complex that's for adults only. There's a big sign that says adults only. So he doesn't think this out. He agrees to take these two kids and doesn't say, wait a second, it's adults only. So that... I, the, yeah, he doesn't even have a living situation that can accommodate kids. And I doubt this guy is so rich that he's renting. Like, I think he could buy the condo and, and make a rule. Yeah, you would uh, think. I mean, he runs one of the most successful sports marketing firms in the country. His partner played golf with Joe Namath. He's got, <laughs> it was on a, in a magazine to prove it. So he moves him in with uh, John Travolta and then baby-proofs the house even though they're seven years old. But Travolta's not happy. Failed one, sir. And failed civil engineer. You got a lot of bad road behind me. A lot of potholes. That is why I'm going to be extra vigilant in protecting your children. They're seven. <laughs> and they're his kids. That's aggressive, and I'm all for it. Oh, come on. Now, even I know you do not baby-proof a house for a seven-year-old. Oh. What about the 15-foot deep end? That's I mean, sir, so you got a flamethrower for a fireplace. No, it's a fashion. It's a style. The spears? What kind of guy buys poison-tipped spears? A thousand years ago, they were poison. I don't know if they're poison now. You bought those a thousand years ago? No, they're... You expect me to believe that? You designed this house of horrors. You brought the kids to this house. Stop it. Like, don't eat that. Those are dog treats. They cut the clip off of where Louis Guzman has a great line. And they say, that's dog treats. And he goes, oh, it tastes better than the smoked salmon that I ate. Yes. Yeah, he, yeah. They're both very they're, funny. They're both very, very funny. They both, they both do a, a very good job. Um, but that's just yet another vignette before they go into Wait, Bernie, the Bernie Mac thing. The uh, Can we just go back to the beginning of the movie? <laughs> because you forgot. Well, we made a bet last night. Uh, there was about five of us watching the movie, and we all put money in. See, which We all bet gag. a dollar on one hack gag. I think I took, um, oh, I took farts. You took there'd be a fart joke first. Mm-hmm. I said there'd be a kick in the balls first. Right. Somebody else picked a poop joke. Poop joke. So he said fart. I said actual poop. Yeah. And then um, there was also Dylan said uh, peeing, a pee uh, joke. Yeah, Dylan took pee, pee joke. And then the last one, by the way, I didn't think it was a good choice, and it didn't happen. <laughs> it, uh, it, it was, it was a choice. get real gramps yeah, kind of saying get real yeah, gramps. Yeah, so some, right. some kid, you know, so being smarter than the older person. So there was four things. There was a... We one bet that first thing that happened would be a poop joke, another one was a fart joke, 
a pee joke, and then a kick in the balls. Right. We knew all were coming in this movie. And they were all there. Yeah. But uh, which came first? Yes. And we have to say that Dylan won with the pee joke. Within 10 minutes, they had a dog not only just peeing on the floor, but walking across the floor and peeing. Right. Right. Within the, 10 the minutes. The dog who was the metaphor for the entire movie, because he's, he's an old dog. Oh. See, that's... I didn't get he's that. an old dog. He gets up from his little dog bed, <laughs> peeing, and walks across the floor, <laughs> peeing, and... Yeah, it's hilarious. It's fantastic. So, and of course, there's the, there's a lot of gags, right? There's like physical gag. The whole movie is a collection of physical gags. Yeah. So right away, there's the tanning bed gag. Oh, right off the bat, Robin Williams goes to uh, John Travolta drags him out to a tanning salon because he's gonna update his image and or something. Something. And uh, he goes into one of those tanning showers. Those spray tan things, but of course. There's no off button. There's no emergency off in that thing. And John Travolta's hitting on the lady running the place, and so Robin Williams just gets doused in tanning. So he's completely dark. He spends, by 10 minutes into the movie, he's kind of in blackface. Not, it's pretty well, much... It's brown it's, face. It's brown face. Um, and it's, pre, it's pretty close to a, a great classic of film, uh, The Jazz Singer, it's where really Neil Diamond is an actual Jeffrey. blackface. Um, but... What's kind of cool about, about Robin Williams' brown face is, is the, the giant gag about it is that he's in Grand Central Station, and, and uh, first an Indian guy mistakes him for a fellow Indian guy. Right. And then a Spanish woman um, mistakes him for one of her own. And it's, it's everybody th- er, er, he looks like every brown person in the world, I guess, because he's brown. Right. And he says, uh, what am I, the United Nations? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. So, and then he meets his Kelly Preston, and he's, he's tan, and she says to him, Let's fix that tan. I have a home remedy. And then the next scene, he's back to normal. Yeah. So she's got some kind of like, she takes some lemons and squirts it in a bowl <laughs> and some do not know. baking soda. I don't know. The movie made a total $49 million, and it cost 35 to make. Really? So it made money? <laughs> it made money. Hopefully, it'll make more money. Hopefully, you will see this movie and just be shocked. Um, it was all, most of it was done, shot in Connecticut. Because there's a huge, um, you get thirty percent off. You get thirty percent tax break, tax incentive. So uh, That's nice. Japan it, was it, Connecticut. Japan New York was Connecticut. Connecticut. New York it was Connecticut. very Japan-y. It really they did. did. Yeah. yeah, they did a good job. But there were some funny things when they were flying back and forth to Japan. They would have, they would run out of Japanese extras, so they have white guys in suits. Mm-hmm. It was always like Japanese people and then white older white guys in suits because they just, I don't know, they ran out of casting. Yeah, well, they, they clearly didn't. They could have just you know driven over to. Little Tokyo, right outside Danbury. I think they would have. Right. They, <laughs> they were in Connecticut. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Trying to find anyone, any ethnicity in Connecticut. Excuse me, sir. Do you know any Japanese people? Close enough, sir. Come with us. And we should tell the people that, like, the, the the number of bizarre vignettes we haven't even scratched the surface because there's the switching prescription drugs thing that leads to oh. horrific CG smiles. Ter- oh uh, yes, the, you might yeah. see in the commercial. Yeah, the bit. kid, the kids accidentally switch um, the. Robin Williams is in John Travolta's drugs because they're old. They need all these drugs. And they take all these drugs, and so they, w- with switch drugs, and, and they drop the pill boxes, and then try to stuff them back in. They both have to do things that they are now incapable of doing because they've got wacky drug side effects. But why is it? Stay with me on this. Mm-hmm. Robin Williams takes John Travolta's drugs and vice versa, mm-hmm. and he gets all the side effects. For some reason, Travolta doesn't get the side effects when he takes his own drugs, but when Robin Williams takes it, he gets it. They don't explain that. They just take a lot of pills. They're taking the wrong pills. And what happens is John Travolta ends up with a hideously deformed face and a constant Joker-like smile. And he's at a bereavement group. Yeah, he's at a bereavement group and he can't stop smiling and he goes on a date and he he can't (laughs) stop smiling. It's really hilarious. Robin Williams, on the other hand, has 
a bunch of physical symptoms that the end result of all of them is that he he's hitting people in the balls a lot which is fantastic because i won money on that so i was okay <laughs> with that part of the film and or john travolta is on a date with the two kids with this stupid smile and a bereavement group yeah the woman invites him to a picnic of people from her bereavement group <laughs> and they're out on the ocean it's never been so beautiful. No. It's like the most beautiful group of people who are, are not happy you'll ever find. Yeah, uh, it's a really bad group of people for somebody to have a frozen, freakish smile on their face. You so, get it? Yeah. Like, they must have said, what can we do? What's the worst situation? What's the worst place he could be? And they're like, I don't know. You know, maybe a bottle factory? No, it doesn't yeah. make any sense. Maybe some kind of bereavement group picnic? That sounds fantastic. A picnic. <laughs> I'm sure they must have those kind of things. Well, they must have been like, well, what about a bereavement group? Great, but we've got to bring it outside. Let's bring it outside. Let's make it bigger. Well, they have a weekly picnic for some reason. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> it's their picnic. Um, there's a, a, and I didn't even understand this. Maybe I, was, maybe I was going through a hard time in my life when I saw this part of the movie. But there was some kind of, like, there's some kind of motion control Which part. One? Where they're controlling. All right, this is people are controlling Robin Williams's body on a date. The kids are controlling him to help him through the date because they have no, this no, motion no. control stuff. Or? The date on the ki- to hang out with the kids. Uh, Travolta oh, realizes right. even though they've spent most of the movie relating to the kids and mm-hmm. not, and and doing okay with the kids, he's got to help them. So he yeah. brings them to a, a puppeteer played by Bernie Mac. This is his last film. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, he's done such great work. Wow. Yeah, uh, he's a puppeteer and he can. Someone, this doesn't exist, but he can control Robin Williams because he's a puppeteer. So he, Robin Williams takes this like pen-like device and pretty much puts it up his ass, and then they can control him back and and make him do stuff because for some reason he can't talk to kids. So this is a whole different movie on yeah, its own. Yeah, can see that comes out of nowhere. Suddenly, it's a body control thing with Bernie Mac rem- and John Travolta remotely puppeting Robin Williams on a play date with his own kids, even though we've already established that John Travolta doesn't know anything about kids. No, John Travolta knows less than Robin Williams. Yeah. But here's how I just thought of this, that this is how it felt like this movie was written. The people who were writing this movie were trying to get fired. And they're like, come back and pitch us more ideas. This is good. He goes, all right, hold on. Listen up. Yes. He controls Robin Williams. Um, how? I don't know. He puts a thing up his ass. He's like, this, they're just trying to get thrown out. They might, they might, they might well have. What about, we'll put Robin Williams in blackface. Will that get us fired? And we'll, we'll Great put, idea. We'll have him <laughs> continually hit Seth Green and Japanese people in the balls on the golf course. We will insult Japanese people way beyond. That's oh, fantastic. It's very, yeah, it's very insulting. Uh, what, uh, Jim Bruce is a comedian, and uh, he's, he's the reason I, I think we watched it, because he really fell in love with this movie. And he said, um, he, said the be- he just wrote me an email, said, the best thing is how realistic the relationships are. Um, the kids have never seen him, but as soon as they meet him, they call him dad. And immediately, <laughs> they have, and then, of course, he says, I love a gorilla suit. So let's go into the gorilla Oh yeah, which is a totally different movie. <laughs> well, oh, they they go to Japan to uh, close the deal, right. um, and but they but Robin Williams soon realizes he he wants to be a really good dad, so he goes back and it's the kids' birthday party at the zoo in Vermont. Um, Even though they're supposed to be in New York City, and this was shot in Connecticut, this is a Burlington Zoo. Vermont. They go to Burlington Zoo for their birthday party, and they get hours. there, and 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 Seth Green and John Travolta and Robin Williams get there too late. So they have to break into the zoo, which they do, but they come up in an animal enclosure and they're they're attacked by penguins. And they're one one thing: the guy point he points to the gate that he he chained and padlocked. 
He chained and padlocked a bunch of kids inside a zoo. Right, but nobody's allowed in after no hours, even though, even though his son's birthday party is going in. He, he put a chain lock on them. Yeah. Those kids are, if there's a fire, those kids are dead. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, oh. like, it's like a, a factory in the 1920s. It was, yeah. So, so they broke in through like some kind of a subterranean tunnel system and, and, and emerged in the gorilla enclosure. And they abandoned – Robin Williams and, and John Travolta abandoned Seth Green to the gorilla enclosure and end up getting attacked by penguins. Oh, it's fantastic. It's, it's really fantastic. And I do want to get to the ending. I want to give away the ending too because I, I have a bigger point to make about the ending. You still should see but the movie. But in any case, a gorilla gets Seth Green, kind of falls in love with him and cradles him for a while. And Seth Green is, is completely standard – completely funny, I think. He's very Being funny. terrified of, of this gorilla. It is a very creepy moment. And then somehow Robin Williams ends up in a jetpack. Well, of course. And, he, and he, he flies in and he, he's the hero of the birthday party. You know, the, the dad arriving in a jetpack. And they'd set up that the kids thought that their dad, they'd always thought their dad was a superhero. And then he proves to be one who flies in at the end. And the reason I want to bring that up is because I think an underrated hallmark of really bad Hollywood family movies is that. It enacts a fantasy that a lot of older men in Hollywood have that even though they're working all the time, they can be great parents. And they have a higher calling than to be pa- – they, they don't have to be there the whole time. They can just be the hero they at the end and it makes everything okay. Yeah, they, yeah. yeah. And, and we see it in all these family – like those sort of like tributes to absentee fatherism. You know, and it, I, think it's, I think it's the story of how a Hollywood executive feels. I think it's sort of like, you know, daddy can't be here to be daddy because daddy has to bring the world so much joy. I got to work. <laughs> to pay for this goddamn birthday yeah. party, and, and, but you know he and and um, in uh, that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, uh, Jingle the, All the Jingle Way, Jingle All the Way, yeah, he's he's a terrible father. He's never around, but then he gets him the toy. Oh, he's, he gets him the toy basically at the end, or he dress he turns into the he turns out to be a superhero. Yeah, he turns into a superhero, and that's exactly what Robin Williams does here. That was the same yeah. ending. Yeah, Se- seven seven but years right. without ever seeing the kids, and then he flies in on a rocket suit, and he's the most magical guy in the world. So your movie executive, you haven't seen these fucking kids in fifteen years, and you buy him a goddamn BMW. They must fucking love me. They must I fucking bought him a brand new BMW, and they've been bringing so much joy to the world. I've been working my ass off. <laughs> <laughs> it is a fantasy at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That and, is. and it, it's an older dad fantasy. We watched this last night at the uh, Bunk Dance Film Festival. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about the Bunk Dance Film Festival. Bunk Dance um, was founded years ago. I, I mean, we're not naming names here, right? No, it's no. Bunk Dance. No, Bunk Dance was founded by a couple of people involved uh, in the. Uh, s- can. At the. I mean, this is no trial or anything. You can yeah, name names. Yeah, yeah. So a couple of people, a couple of individuals who shall remain nameless, who were involved in the. Um, uh, Slam Dance Film Festival which takes place during Sundance, and um, they started. You know, they had screened so many movies, and some of them inevitably are not very good. And I, I guess their parlance for you know, like where they were staying in Park City, it's Park City, right? Park City. Um, but they would unwind with bad movies at the end of the day and call it bunk dance because they were in bunk beds. Yeah, and watching. so that's been a bad movie club. That's it's a venerated one here in Hollywood. We've you know, it's been around you know for years now. For years, I always thought it was bunk dance because the movies were bunk. But it turns out they were just lying. In they were bunking beds. together, yeah. yeah. <laughs> bunking <laughs> together in Park City. It didn't have a b- deeper meaning than no. where they were sleeping. Um, it's been going on for years, and every other week there's two or three movies picked. Um, one hard and fast rule is that anybody, and that means anybody, can call a go-back. Oh, go ahead. Tell, tell us what a go-back is. Well, if you notice something particularly awful, like whether it's the, the work of an extra in the background or it's some acting that you just saw or you know, you know, one of the most 
common things is I guess the boom dropping in, but that's like anything terrible. There is a boom shot in this. There is a boom shot in this. Um, you can just call a go back, and you have to go back and look at it again. And if the movie is particularly awful, it can take a long, long time to this, get through a two-hour movie. To get to movie. the first twenty minutes, it took about an hour. Yeah, because we kept going back. We had to. Now another rule about the go back is if in in during the movie, mm-hmm. if someone says go back. You have to go back. Yeah, that's a total stoner's law. That's <laughs> that's really what that's about. That's you know over over years, little things creep in, and so that's that's just a painful thing. But there wasn't a lot of that in Old Dog. No, thankfully. But it is great when you're watching a bad movie and you're getting through it. You're getting through it, and someone says, "Go back," and you're like, "Oh, like, you don't want to watch it." <laughs> just have to re-rack for ten seconds. Again? Yeah. Are there any other rules um, for the bunk dance? During uh, it? We have to go. We have the absolute go back rule. We have the 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 uh, the, go, the other go back rule, and um, that, that's pretty much it. Early on, uh, you know, we tried to define what the aesthetic of bunk dance was, and it had to be, it had to be a terrible movie that you didn't mind screaming through the entire thing. Right. You know, we, do not, we do not watch silently. Nick, Nicolas Cage is one of our patron saints, and it's not because he's a bad actor. No, he's a great actor. He's a great actor who, if he's in a bad movie, he's going to give you that same 150% that he gives you in a good movie. Right. And it's it still just a makes great, him he's still committed. awesome. Yeah. Uh, he's in a lot. He just keeps doing them. He keeps, yeah, well, you know, he's got to work. He's, apparently he's had some <laughs> financial troubles lately, and God bless him. You know, you, you don't – usually in, in a terrible movie, you will see somebody – and one of our cliches that we have at Bunk Dance is that somebody is looking around. When they're looking off screen, they're looking for their big bag of money because that's the only reason they're, they're, they're there. Like I think um, Ben Kingsley, is it, who's in um, Blood Rain, that, that Uwe Boll video game movie? And he's clearly looking off camera for his bag of money in every scene. But Nicolas Cage is never looking for his, his bag no, of he's money. He's into it. He yeah. thought this was going to be good. Yeah. Or at least he plays like he, like he wants to be there. Yeah. Uli Bol is the director version of Matthew McConaughey and Nicolas Cage, where he, but he, he makes really bad movies. Yeah, he makes tremendously bad movies. Uh, he's a German director who took advantage of a tax credit in Germany that if you make a movie, you can get money back or something. So he, yeah, it was even he, if the movie making fails. a terrible movie became a money making scheme. So he started making like um, the producers. Yeah, he started making video game movies. So all the movies for some reason have to be based on a video game. I don't know why. So some of the uh, in the name of the king, in the name of the father, in the name of the king, in the name of the king, a dungeon siege. It's based on a game called Dungeon Siege, and everyone in that movie is looking for their bag of money. Yeah, Jason Statham, Burt Reynolds, uh, Ray Liotta plays a wizard, a medieval wizard. Who's oddly wearing, like, black jeans. He's wearing, like, a cape that looks like it's right out of Goodfellas. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty great. So his movies are another one to look out for. And I think it's really hard not to get a, a good, bad Uli Bowl film. Postal is the one I would watch out for. Did you, have you Postal seen is rough. Yeah. Postal is, the, is Uwe Boll's uh, one attempt at, being, at making a movie that he enjoyed, I think. Yeah, and purposely make, trying to make a good movie. Trying to make a good movie, trying to make a wild political comedy and it you know if you enjoy watching you know kind of graphically slapstick gags involving 9-11 you're gonna love this movie i don't want to give away the beginning too much because it's really over the top but i think again if you're 18 or 17 and you're like wow he's making fun of 9-11 it would blow your mind it would until you see the rest i mean the movie is bizarre it is really bizarre. And uh, who from Kids in the Hole is in it? It's uh, Dave Foley. Dave Foley. Full frontal Foley. Oh, yeah. We do have full frontal Foley. It's like a bag movie. of money. Like, how much is a bag of money just to be in the movie? And a comedy. A great comedian yeah. doing this horrible comedy. 
He's like, yeah, yeah, no, I'll take my pants off. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Full yeah. frontal. Really? Right. <laughs> Nothing else but you'll show your penis in, in this movie. In, in tribute to Dave Foley, though, the, the, the excessive deadpan with which he was completely <laughs> naked on the screen was really, really entertaining. So uh, let's wrap this up. Uh, old Dogs, do you recommend people see this or not? Yes. This is, this, if you have any interest in seeing a movie that is not good because it is not good and really enjoying it with a couple of friends, uh, all, you can't go wrong with Old Dogs. Uh, I will agree. Old Dogs is great. Uh, rush out and get it. So, Adam, thank you very much. And uh, we'll Thank you, Adam. I'll be back. We'll be back next week or next time or in 10 minutes. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. With a show that We're just a click away Evil. for... for, for uh, may or may not be called Evil Usher. Uh, let me, Adam, I'm going to ask you a question while you think about the answer. I'll just uh, wrap things up. Another podcast that you would recommend. Now, as you think about this, let me thank um, RZO Hothouse for letting us uh, producing our show here. It's a full production facility and a monthly comedy show with fantastic comedians. It's free. There's also free booze. If you want to know about it, uh, email tsr818 at mac.com. It's in downtown Los Angeles. And uh, come down to see a fantastic show and drink some free booze. I think that's worth it. Um, Jim, who we mentioned, he's on the Paul Goebel podcast. And that's a very funny TV-centric show. And Adam, what do you recommend for people to listen to? Oh, there's this little rinky-dink outfit called Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. I really recommend it. Uh, if you get a chance, you can hear Adam and other very funny people on the NPR, very popular uh, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me podcast. Yeah. podcast. And also uh, Bill Maher has a podcast yes. of a TV show that he's been doing. Um, yes, I write for that show. No, so uh, Adam writes for the uh, HBO show Real Time with Bill Maher, which, of course, you can get on HBO and you should pay them so Adam can have a living. But they also put it on uh, iTunes. For free. Later, for yeah, free. audio so, version for free on iTunes. So don't pay for HBO, if, especially because the sight gags come across better on the podcast for some reason. I don't it know is why. worth $15 just to see a, a doctored photo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, please buy HBO. Adam's got a kid. All right, thank you very much, man. <laughs> Check out mediayenta.blogspot.com.